Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast chronicling the years 1990 through 1999. We are your hosts. My name is Chris Elphick. And I'm Connor Thompson. This week we are bringing you November 4th through November 10th in 1996. Hey, that was like 20 years ago. That's kind of the point of the podcast though. November 4th. Which candidate plays better in Silicon Valley? A political split is slicing through Silicon Valley these days as the region's digitocracy debates a question of relevance to voters everywhere. Which presidential candidate is best qualified to guide the nation as it rockets into the information age? I think President Clinton articulates a much clearer vision of the future than Bob Dole, said Macromedia CEO Bud Colligan. I think he understands how technology can be used to aid all people. To which Scott McNeely, CEO of Sun Microsystems, voices a common counterpoint. The Clinton organization has billed itself as very wired, but I'd put a hay in front of that. Ha! That's a joke. Haywired. Also, I really like the use of the word digitocracy. How has that not been a movie? I don't know. I love it, though. Digitocracy. Yeah. November 5th, the United States presidential election was today. Incumbent Democratic President Bill Clinton defeats his Republican challenger, Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. I don't know about you, Connor, but this is the first presidential election that I actually remember. We were alive for, I think, two others prior to this, yep. uh, 88 and 92, but obviously I don't remember 88. No, and... this is the first one I remember as well. Yeah, and it was it was a big deal. Yeah, Bill Clinton was on Animaniacs, so... Yeah, exactly. He played the sax. <laughs> he played a part of my childhood. All right, November 6th. Let's take a break from the U.S. election for a minute to read an album review from the L.A. Times. This one is for Pinkerton by Weezer, which we all know is a classic, but wasn't so well received. So the follow-up to Weezer's 94 double platinum debut packs a novel's worth of shame and fleeting happiness into less than 35 minutes. The songs here are often sloppy and awkward, but express a seemingly genuine, desperate search for sex and love. By the end, leader Rivers Cuomo is left alone to strum an acoustic guitar and, fittingly, ask forgiveness. So, albums are rated on a scale of one star poor, two stars fair, three good, and four excellent. For this review, they somehow gave it three stars, but the stars it do not match. It seems a little scathing, yeah. Right? It doesn't seem... I'd hate to see a one-star review if this is three. Yeah, no kidding. Like, one star is going to be, this music is an abomination. My ears are literally bleeding. And this was common Humanity for Pinkerton. Like, they got shit on in the Rolling Stone as well in yeah. the first album review. So, uh, they had it wrong. They Good did. job, LA Times. Yeah. Good they... job. All right, we'll move on to November 7th now. Today, NASA launched the Mars Global Surveyor. The Mars Global Surveyor was a global mapping mission that examined the entire planet of Mars, from the ionosphere down through the atmosphere to the surface. It reached Mars on September 11th, 1997. It completed its primary mission in January of 2001 and continued to operate until late 2006 when it finally lost signal. And so cool. Yeah, I think that's really awesome. Mapping other planets. How about that? November 8th. Campaign 96, a liberating experience for Gore. During the last joint campaign appearance of their presidential partnership, President Clinton watched with slack-jawed amazement as Vice President Al Gore delivered an animated, rapid-fire introduction that filled the fieldhouse at Cleveland State University with chortles and applause. When Gore uttered a particularly punchy line, Clinton lost his composure, covering his crimson face with his hands, rocking his head backwards, and wiping tears of laughter away. I do not know what the Vice President ate for breakfast this morning, Clinton said after he took the podium a few minutes later, but if he had two more bites of it, he would have blown the roof off. Is this I don't nicest, believe this. Is this the nicest thing that anyone's ever said about Al Gore? I think it might be. Also, like, I really choose not to believe this. I do not know Al Gore as being a funny person, at least not in the 90s. I don't think anyone does. Post-90s Al Gore, maybe, maybe he could garner a chuckle or two. 
Also on this date, Paraguay arrests foreign embassy threats. Three Arab nationals and a retired Paraguayan military officer were arrested in connection with threats against the U.S. Embassy in... Your guess is as good as mine. Assumption? It's kind of like... Yeah, let's go with Assumption. Don't worry, Marge. America's healthcare system is second only to Japan, Canada, Sweden, Great Britain, well, all of Europe. But you can thank your lucky stars we don't live in Paraguay. All right, moving on to November 9th. Pumpkin carving helps teach brain surgery. Brain surgeons from around the world are back home after a week of learning new surgical techniques by picking seeds out of pumpkins. Two dozen brain surgeons from Italy, Germany, and Japan trained in Cleveland. Hmm. Using pumpkins and some cadavers, a hospital official said, quote, The pumpkins simulate the skull and the brains as physicians bore a tiny hole in the outside of the pumpkin shell and insert a thin scope into the simulated brain tissue, aka the weird stuff inside the pumpkins, said Dr. Alan Cohen. After getting a fuel for the delicate instruments by removing pumpkin seeds through the hole, trainees graduate to cadavers, and then if all goes well, the living thing. Okay, that kind of makes sense. Pum- I guess. Pumpkin mush? Yeah, pumpkin mush. I guess that's like a brain. Um, I guess this is the flower sack baby of the surgery world. Also egg baby. Egg baby. Yeah, that that's was a, a thing. That's a thing too. Okay, mm-hmm. November 10th. Middle-aged minivan avoidance syndrome, otherwise known as mamas, described by Anne Hood, is spreading unchecked and members of the baby boom generation seem to be the most at risk. Ironically, most victims of mamas once loved nothing more than to gallivant around the country in Volkswagen minibuses. This suggests a cure. Just slap a Grateful Dead sticker on the rear window of your Grand Voyager and enjoy the trip. Is this what Don, is it Don Henley? Means by the lyric, on the road today, I saw a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac? Yes. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. Is, uh, did I get the artist right? Because there's two Dons. Yeah. Okay, who's the other Don? Don mm, Henley. Don McLean. Don McLean, yeah. American Pie. Yeah, okay, I always get those two confused. Speaking of music, let's, uh, actually, let's do movies first. We always do movies first. Yeah. One of these days we'll switch it up. Not today. At number one in the box office, we have a little movie called Ransom, starring, ooh, Mel Gibson. Uh, Mel Gibson, who's now just known as the director, the director of, of Braveheart. Braveheart. You saw that movie trailer, yeah, too, right? Yeah, I saw right? the trailer. Yeah, Mel Gibson's the... got a, a new war movie. Looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. But they say said from the award-winning director of Braveheart instead of from Mel Gibson. Yeah. That's nice, though. Mel Gibson's at the point where Hollywood thinks they can make money off of him again. Yeah, I guess that means he's recovering. He was on, uh, apparently, uh, Colbert recently. He was. It was very uncomfortable. I didn't watch it, but I saw a clip from a couple days later when they had Nick Kroll on. And they said something like, speaking of uh, anti-Semitism, I saw Mel Gibson on your show the other day. Yikes. Okay, moving down this list. At two, we get Romeo and Juliet. Boz Lerman. Three is... Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, Danes. It's that, a great cast. That is a good cast. At three, we get Set It Off. Four is Sleepers, and five is High School High. I'm not yeah. big on this movie list. Are you not at all into Paz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet? I've seen it. Um, I didn't love it. I feel, and High School High, have you seen it? Yes. I have not seen it. I feel like it could be really good. Eh. I don't know, but speaking of not seeing movies, I kind of got... Oh, I don't know if I should say this. Yeah, go for it. I got called out at work this week for not having seen Goodwill Hunting. And you, now I guess all of you are, are listening to this and can call me out on this too. You deserve it. 
I I mean, I know it's a great movie. I just haven't had the time to watch it yet. And yeah, I was talking to one of my managers at work. We were going through a list of like, it was a list of movies that made you cry. And it was like, okay, the scene in this, where this happened. I was like, oh, okay. The scene in Up, where basically everything happened. Okay, that made me cry. The scene in Goodwill Hunting, where don't, don't, don't spoil it for me. And uh, I got some shocked looks after that. Robin Williams, Matt Damon. It's not your fault. Ah, no. I mean, it's a star-studded cast. We've got Williams, Damon, Affleck, all these people come together in such a soup of you will said, hunting and apples you said oh i know but you have no idea i um okay i just assume anyway let's get back <laughs> to the movies on this list the only other good movie on here i'm being real no okay there are a few uh independence day is clinging on to the bottom here uh we also have the rock obviously sean connery and nicholas cage a classic not dwayne johnson of course no and mission impossible as well oh mission impossible yeah uh, at number seven, I just want to mention this. Oh, There's okay. a movie called Larger Than Life. It has Bill Murray, it, uh, and it's not about the Backstreet Boys. It's also not very good. Yeah, Bill Murray, he's done a couple... Uh, Clunkers. Yeah, Garfield. <laughs> did you Do you know why he did Garfield? Oh, yeah, because he thought it was, it was the Coen Brothers. Brothers. <laughs> yeah, so good. Some pe- It was like a Cohen or something, Yeah, and he thought it was the Coen Brothers. Uh, I think that gives us enough padding to have music brought up on both our phones. Yes. Okay, cool. So in the Billboard Top 100 this week, at number one... We've got No Diggity by Blackstreet featuring Dr. Dre. That's a really good song. Yeah, we've talked about it. Number two, (laughs) It's All Coming Back to Me Now by Celine Dion. So here's the thing. I made a playlist this week containing this song. Oh, no. Well, I was going through power ballads and my starting point was going off of last week when we were talking about Meatloaf's I'd Do Anything for Love. That is a good ballad. And songs written by Jim Steinman, the same guy who wrote that song. Yep. And this is one of them, so it made it onto the playlist. It is a good one. Yeah. At three, we get I Love You Always Forever by Donna Lewis. If this is the song I'm thinking of, I love it. Moving into songs that no one loves, at number four, The Macarena. Uh, I mean, at the time, it was... Ooh. Yeah. Let's, Let's move on. At five... Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. There's a ballad. Unbreak My Heart. Ooh, yeah, that is a good ballad. That is a ballad and a half. you love me again. Oh, good. I apologize. Oh, number 11. Do you have anything good to say before that? No, go for it. We've talked about this before. We're just going to sort of graze over right now. Pony by Genuine. Such a good song. If It Makes You Happy by Sheryl Crow at number 12. I'm not a huge Sheryl Crow fan. I don't know if that exists. I don't know if that's a thing. But this is a decent song. At 23... Canadian Alanis Morissette with You Ought to Know. This is a this is That's a good one. That's a good song. There was just hot garbage in between 12 and 23. Um This is Your Night by Amber is at 28. Nice. That's a good one. I that is a really solid Ooh. Euro kind of like Euro pop song. It definitely is. At number 30. Maybe maybe we end it here. We'll give a quick scroll. Okay. At number 30 we get Give Me One Reason by Tracy Chapman. This yeah. is the song that made Tracy Chapman not a one-hit wonder. And that's uh that's something we got to appreciate, right? Absolutely. Just a little bit. Hmm, Moving down the list, I think that's probably where we're going to end it. Oh, wait, hold on. At number 63. 63, we're going down that far. At Night I Pray by Wild Orchid. Do you know know why I'm bringing up Wild Orchid? I don't know why you're bringing up this at all. Wild Orchid is the band that Fergie started out with. Fergie of the Black Eyed Peas. Fergie, like Fergie Ferg and me love you long time. Fergie Ferg, Fergalicious. Yes, one in the same. Who hails from the city of Pittsburgh. I really thought that was going to be a thing at one point. Calling it right now. If she releases another new album at any point, 
It's going to be called or feature a song called Pittsburgh. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, Wild Orchid, 91 to 2001. Oh, wow. And then uh, she jumped ship to the Black Eyed Peas. All right, that was fun. Now, let's move on to a little thing we like to call This Week On. Every week on the podcast, we like to talk about an episode of either Seinfeld, The Simpsons, or Friends that we remember fondly because these shows really were defining in that decade. All right, let's jump into Seinfeld, Season 7, Episode 7, The Secret Code. As Elaine had written a good piece on the Himalayan walking shoe for the J. Peterman catalog, Peterman insists on taking her out for dinner. As she finds his endless stories boring, she pleads with Jerry to join her, who in turn tricks George into coming as well. Meanwhile, George and Susan fight after George refuses to tell her his secret ATM code, believing it to not be selfish for him to have some secrets. Bosco. Yeah, that was... Oh my god, when he reveals it, it is so good. Because there are so many good things where this comes up. up um, he's left with Peterman at the dinner after Elaine and Jerry Bale. Yep. Uh, goes to see, I think, uh, Peterman's dying mother. And then it's killing George that he hasn't told anyone his pin number. So he whispers in her ear, Bosco. <laughs> and then it's her dying words. Yeah, it's such yeah. a pivotal moment. Yeah. And then there's at the end, there's that guy in a bank and he his jacket is caught in the ATM. So he needs someone to let him out with the with the ATM card. I don't know how they thought of this situation. It's so stupid. Yeah. So George slides his card under, trying to put it in. I need the pin. I need the secret code. Bosco. It's oh, George is so pissed. Yeah, we are not doing this justice. No, we really aren't. But it's a great episode. Yeah. Uh, in a little bit of 90s news now. Oh, yeah. You were telling me this, about this. This just dropped like Thursday. Starship Troopers, which came out in 1997, is getting a reboot. A reboot? Starship Troopers. I remember watching this movie at Andrew Machante's house. Who the hell was Andrew Machante? I went to elementary school with him. This all was right. in like grade six or seven. We were all watching Starship Troopers and there were boobs and it was the best. Oh, and 90s boobs. 90s boobs. Kids boobs. Er, yeah. Not came out weird and we all had to try and like stay quiet about the boobs because we didn't want to alert his parents to the boobs mm, which they were obviously unaware of yeah if they're alluded to the boobs the movie goes off yeah uh from dusk till dawn i think was one of the first first movie boobs the subject matter from dusk till dawn was inappropriate for me at the age much like, like i think the boobs were not even uh not even charting on that Anyway, so getting a reboot could be cool. Like shooting big alien bugs could yeah, make I mean, for a visually stunning movie. Starship Troopers was awesome, but really wasn't that great. So oh, no. a reboot could actually be at least as good. This is one of the few movies, I can't believe I'm about to say this, I hope Michael Bay is directing. Ooh. The whole movie's explosions, and those are his jam. This, How that's hard his is thing. it to do explosions, though? I'm just, just saying. hire a good guy with... Who knows how to blow shit up? I'm just saying he's been doing it forever, and the movie has no plot to ruin. Uh, yeah, I right? guess. Yeah, there's no real lore he'd be no. he'd be stepping on and spitting on and crunching up and putting into a driverless car that turns into a robot that only appears on screen for like 20% of the movie. Exactly. I'm not bitter about Transformers. No. I All haven't right. even seen the Ninja Turtle movies. No, fuck that. I'm not even, not even going to bother. Yeah. Um. Let's move into our 90s spotlight. So yeah. this week... Let's take a drive we, down memory, memory lane. lane. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. It's a nice little segue the, before there were segues. This week's 90s spotlight is on minivans. Now, obviously, minivans were around before the 90s, but... 
like many good topics from the 90s, it started in the 80s. Having been developed as a, quote, small affordable van that looked and handled more like a car, uh, the minivan was first introduced in 1983 by Chrysler, and by the 90s, I think they were almost everywhere. Yeah, and obviously that's when the Dodge Caravan dropped, and it seemed like everyone had one of those. Oh yeah, those. by the 90s, I think every... Every major car manufacturer had their own minivan, but yeah, the Dodge Caravan, the Plymouth Voyager. Oh, the Ford Aerostar. Oh, the Aerostar. The Windstar as well. Yeah, the Aerostar just had that, despite its name, much less boxy, air, less aerodynamic, or more boxy, less aerodynamic look to it. Those are weird looking, enormous, enormous vans. Yeah. Um, did you have a minivan growing up? We did not. I had, I had a Plymouth Voyager. Obviously not me. My dad had a Plymouth Voyager. Yep. And... Something about being a kid and your parent having a minivan at that time is kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, your parents obviously aren't cool, but <laughs> it's so much room for such a small vehicle. I remember playing in the minivan. I remember sleeping, like having campouts in the minivan because that's what you did in the 90s. You slept in the driveway because it was okay. And you could flit and you could fit in a minivan. That is not a, really that weird. is not a normal thing, sleeping in a car in the driveway. You never you never had okay, you never had a minivan though. That's true, but I don't think that's a thing people did. You never had like a little camp out? I see people pitching tents in their backyard like once in, you know, you don't have Yeah, you don't... that's that's a thing. You pitch a tent in the backyard, mm -hmm. sure. You never had a you never had a minivan camp out. No. I don't think that's a normal thing. Minivan camp out? Is that a thing? We're asking the audience. Did you ever sleep in your minivan? Never had a camp out? Never had a camp out cuz that's not a normal thing that people do. All right, guys. <laughs> Did any of you, for non-living situation reasons, ever just sleep in your minivan for fun as a kid? Someone back me up on this. No one's going to back you up on this. Okay, so I'm alone with the whole sleeping in minivan Absolutely, thing. yes. If anyone's out there, just get, get, get in touch. Okay, I mean, minivans were a pivotal vehicle in the 90s. Prior to this, in the 80s... Minivans existed, but station wagons, those were the big thing, am I, I right? Love, wood paneled. Yeah, love it. since then, in the 2000s, we saw the rise of SUVs. Yep. That's now the slightly cooler mom vehicle to have. I don't have a minivan. I've I got an SUV. I've got a Toyota RAV4. Oh, okay. Yeah. It has a wheel on the back. Yep. So I can change it if we get a flat on the way to soccer practice. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um. I think that's about all we have to say about... About that? In closing, minivans aren't cool and I will never own one. Minivans, you served your purpose. Thanks for getting us to and from wherever. Please die. Chuck E. Cheese. I took a minivan to Chuck E. Cheese. Actually, no, that was a full van and it violated the law. Let's move on. Okay, every week on the show, we have a sponsor. Sometimes they are real. Most of the time they're fictitious. This is kind of in between. No, this week's sponsor is very real. It's gonna be real. Oh, yes. And it'll be spectacular. This week, the podcast is brought to you by Cockadoodles, a very adult activity book. So we mentioned this on the podcast two weeks ago, how we made a coloring book full of wieners. It's very graphic, full of wieners. So graphic. Yeah, this is a side project that we've worked on concurrently with the podcast and actually is part of the reason the podcast exists. Yeah. I think we talked about this when we were brainstorming ideas ideas for what we could do yeah. one of which was the podcast the other of which is now in its crowdfunding phase so cockadoodles a very adult activity book is now on indiegogo you can check us out on there we have already posted links on our facebook page to this and you can check it out if you uh, know someone who would be really into a book full of dongs <laughs> 
We are currently offering uh, one book for $15. No one has bought that yet. No one. Uh, or I guess because it's a much better deal, yep. people are going for two for 25 Two for 25 shipped in Canada and shipped in the U.S. It's a good deal. This is, in my mind, the perfect Christmas gift. Because if Christmas is supposed to be about giving and not receiving, I want to enjoy giving something more than I would enjoy receiving it. And that screams coloring book full of dicks to me. Oh yeah, you want to see the look on their face as they tear oh, yeah. open the wrapping to this and are filled with joy and then disgust once yep. they open the book. Absolutely. That is that is exactly what I think will happen for most people who get this this year. Yeah, we have a very tame rooster on the front cover with an unexplained sensor bar over its face. Yep. Leading way to dongs on dongs. Oh, and it's not just a coloring book of dicks. Like it's So it's done in the style of a traditional coloring book. The images are meant to be colored in with crayons. There's nothing... You know, super patterny or really intricate about it, mm -hmm. uh, and there are also puzzles. So you get those traditional coloring book staples. You get a crossword, a word search, a maze, a connect the dots, all wiener related. It's simple. It's not too too complicated. We don't have any mandelas or no super crazy patterns. It's just fun. That's too much for us. Yeah, we can't handle that. Yeah, we wanted to get in. That's how this all started. We wanted to get in on the whole adult coloring book thing. We thought it was really cool, but. Oh, that's too much work. If yep. you color actual adult coloring books, oh, hats off to you. It takes forever. I don't have time for that. Yeah. I mean, you've got way more patience than we do. Yep. And good so, for you. So check us out. For the dirty grandma in your life, you know, the best friend, the friend who likes dicks, the friend who doesn't like dicks, this is good for everyone. Just please, for God's sake, don't give it to anyone under 18. Yeah, that would be a terrible idea. Don't do that. Okay. So, Cockadoodles, a very adult activity book, Indiegogo, you can find us on Facebook, we're everywhere. It's a thing. Yeah, we've linked it on the podcast before. We'll probably link it on the podcast again. And I think that's about it. As always, you can find us online at facebook.com slash stuck in the 90s podcast. We have a website stuck in the 90s podcast.com that links to basically everything we're going to mention. We're on Twitter at SIT90S. Sit 90s, basically. Instagram, you guessed it, stuck in the 90s podcast. Get in contact with us. If you slept in a van in the 90s, just let us know. In your driveway. Yeah. I. Hey, we know a guy who sleeps in his car, who lives in his car. That's not true. He's moved from his van to half of a boat. That was real? That he is... actually lives in a boat? Yeah, we have a friend who, for some inexplicable reason, finds himself living on half of a boat in the Toronto Harbor. Like and share this if you want, uh, if you want us to get this mysterious boatman on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, next week, we will, you figure out the dates, I'll figure out the year. All right. Um, next week, we will be jumping into 1990. Let's 1990. just do 90, 90 flat. All right, 90 flat. We will be doing November 11th, 11th to 17th in 1990. We'll see you next week. And for now, the, the podcast, podcast is, is now, now over. over.